0: The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend.
1: Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves Yes, welcome in. Coming off the Thanksgiving holiday, hope everybody got enough to eat as you hear us here in the U.S. I know in a lot of other parts of the world, they're like, what are the Americans up to? We're just eating. We're gorging for Thanksgiving Day. Good to be back with you. It is the Big Fight Weekend preview podcast as we head towards the final weekend of November Am I saying that there is one month left in the year after this weekend? That is correct for 2022. We're ready to talk all about it. I am the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. He is under the weather. I will say that up front. He's battling. He's toughing it out. Uh, he's finishing He's finishing strong off of the Thanksgiving holiday. Although, Dan Rayfield, it's good to be with you. And I know you've not been feeling good, and you've not even been able to take part in any Thanksgiving stuff. I think I ate your share, by the way, <laughs> on Thursday. I, I, I know you're going to tough it out here. And uh, I'm glad you're posting, but I know you're not feeling well. We should just let the audience know that.
0: Oh, I'm. I'm. This is like the worst Thanksgiving of all time. I've been (laughs) so. I've been. I came down to my office. I took a shower and I came down to my office to tape this podcast with you. It was the first time I got out of bed since last night. Oh my god! And it's like 24 hours later.
1: Oh. And see, see, you've got your beautiful wife. You've got your family. You've got Thanksgiving. And the only thing that's getting you out of bed, the only thing that's getting you out of bed is to look at my mug as we see each other on a video hookup and do the podcast. This has not been a great Thanksgiving for you. I get that. We were not having like a home Thanksgiving or going to visit
0: people. What we decided this year is we were going out for Thanksgiving. So my wife and my son and myself, we were going out to dinner with friends of ours, close Mm -hmm. friends of ours. And uh, I was not in any... there's no way I could go out. So I stayed in and my wife and son left and went and met, met up with them and having a nice dinner. And uh, they'll probably be home sometime before or after we get this podcast taped. But yeah, it's been, it's been a bad bad couple of days. I just
1: hope you feel better as Thursday becomes Friday. We're releasing the podcast Fridays. We typically do for the weekend. Uh, And again, we get ready for a world title fight with Regis Progre and Jose Zepeda that we look forward to entertaining. We've been looking forward to this for a couple of months. That's the main event in Carson, California That is the biggest fight, arguably, uh, that's in boxing, although the Brits might disagree that the Zach Parker title fight that's coming for the Super Middleweight Championship, the WBO Interim Super Middleweight title, uh, which, again, Canelo Alvarez has all the bells, but this is the interim title. They might consider that one bigger, or Dillian White's fight might be bigger. We'll touch on all of those in the preview mode. Thank you for finding us. Make sure you're following or subscribing. Coming off the holiday here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. By the way, if you were... Uh, just to let this uh, out there, we we put the regis pro-grade conversation that you had with him up as a standalone interview midweek here of Thanksgiving week. They didn't have to have a social media prompt. They didn't have to have a link from your Substack or anything else. They just got automatically notified. And even though you're under the weather... I know you like to say it. How do they get those notifications when something new is up on the podcast feed? Uh, they get a banner, a bell, a ding, a light, a vibration, something, something that tells them. And so the full conversation is the podcast just before this one, the Regis Progre uh, podcast, also on the podcast feed, uh, Sean and the top heavyweights guys, uh, the casual fan. I think it is Ryan, Sean and Ryan uh, from topheavyweights.com are talking Dillian white and the fight with Jermaine Franklin as well. All of that's on the podcast feed and God willing with the weekend that I'm about to have, which will be in Alabama for college football, Saturday national radio, and then Buccaneers radio with the Browns in Cleveland Sunday, where Dan Rayfield, it's supposed to be 40 degrees and pouring down rain throughout the game. You're going to come. Am I looking looking forward to that? I don't know. Uh, On Sunday, God willing, we'll be back with a fight freaks unite recap off the weekend. We'll make that happen. You're playing hurt. I will play hurt. We will get this done, my friend. All right. With all of that out of the way, uh let's get into a little news then we'll get into the fight previews and there is some news uh let's begin with the news about the wba and i guess now the wbc as well both giving their blessing that errol spence's next (coughs) bout if they can make the deal and why wouldn't they be making the deal if they're going to the wba and the wbc trying to get it cleared will be against keith one time thurman uh the former wba world champ only lost to Manny Pacquiao. Thurman has been relatively inactive for three and a half years. One fight, one fight only. But it looks like that's going to be the fight. All right, fill in the blanks on yeah, a little that's, more that's, here. Go ahead.
0: That's going to probably be the fight because uh, when the the discussions for Errol Spence to fight Terrence Crawford to uh, have an undisputed champion did not work out, and Crawford took another fight, Errol Spence was not going to fight the remainder of this year, but obviously he wasn't going to just sit and wait for Crawford. So he's going to have another fight. So the WBA gave them the permission. They had the TGB promotions, uh, requested a special permit for Errol Spence to not do his mandatory against against uh, Amantus Tenionis. They approved the, the uh, fight against Terminal, which they're breaking the rules. And I've had this conversation with uh, mm-hmm. Gilberto Mendoza from the WBA. They've now ordered this fight twice. It was supposed to happen before, but they were going to let it slide so he could do the, the Crawford fight. That didn't happen. So I don't see why... There's something special about Keith Thurman, who's who's coming off a win against Barrios. But before that it had been a couple of years, and he lost a pack He's had, you know, like what, four fights in seven years or something along those lines. You're right. Um, the WBC also at their most recent, you know, just uh, two weeks ago at their convention. For reasons I will never understand, and I'll probably have this conversation with my boy Mario uh, Mauricio Suleiman from the WBC at some point about how in the world they can make him the mandatory challenger. What has Keith Thurman done to be the WBC's mandatory? It's one thing for the WBA to allow it as an optional defense. Now, other than them breaking their rules and not ordering their mandatory, just from the sheer point of view of giving him an optional, you know that he's allowed to be an optional uh, challenger, I can't really argue with that. At least Thurman right. does have credentials as a former unified champion, and he's been one of the better welterweights for the last number of years. But for the WBC to make him the mandatory, which by definition says if you don't fight Keith Thurman, we're going to strip you of your title is absolutely ridiculous because Keith Thurman has done absolutely nothing to, to become a mandatory challenger. But putting that aside in the end, it's going to be the two names, Keith Thurman against Errol Spence. And I find it kind of amusing because when Errol Spence was coming up and ready to fight for a title, he was wanting to fight Keith Thurman, who at that time had one of the titles that at one point he was unified. And uh, Keith Thurman would never say his name. I remember them getting into it, getting into it at a press conference one time at Light center when they were on the, either on the same card or both guys were there, uh, and, uh, and Keith Thurman had a hard time saying Errol Spence's name out of his mouth. And uh, Keith Thurman's a very good speaker, so that was surprising. <laughs> uh, and so when Errol Spence became he became a champion and, and then unified his titles, he vowed, I'll never find Keith Thurman. Well, guess what?
1: He's fighting Keith Thurman. Ne- Never's a long time, isn't it? And sure is. And by the way, I'm here in the Tampa Bay area, and Keith is a local guy uh, out of Clearwater, Florida, and I'm, I'm in the local guy's corners, whether we're talking about Winky Wright back in the day uh, whether we're talking about Jeff Lacy, whomever, he hasn't been active enough. So this is a gift. This is an early Christmas gift that he's getting lined up for this fight. And again, uh, look, I, you're gonna you're gonna mock me and laugh at me while I carry this part of the conversation. I, I went to high school here in Tampa. I went to college in Memphis. I, I have a college education. They're not going to get the approval from those bodies if this is not the fight. So this is the fight Obviously. they want. Yeah. So we believe. Well, no, it's the fight
0: they want, TJ. TGB petitioned to get this fight. And they That's work right. with Errol and they work
1: with Keith. That's correct. So we believe so, it's on that February 4th date, we think, right, is what they're aiming I don't, for. Not that I it's don't know done, but, but we I, think. I, I, don't know that, I don't know
0: the date for sure. But this fight will be the next fight. And whatever you think about the machinations to get it done, in the end, other than Crawford, the only big-time welterweight with a, a big-time name that Errol hasn't fought right now, is Thurman, even if he's been, and you know, he didn't get to fight Pacquiao because of, um, you know, the injury that occurred, but he's fought pretty much everybody else. He's fought Danny Garcia. You know, he's fought Ugas. I mean, he's fought lots of he fought Sean Porter. So he's fought, you know, lots of good opponents and Thurman's like the one sort of named guy from that group of fighters that he has not faced. So as a fight, it's okay. But, you know, I just, I, Keith has been a hell of a fighter for a long time, but he's, he's passed his better days in my opinion. And uh, I don't think he was overly impressive against Mario Barrio, a much smaller guy.
1: Uh, we'll see. Okay. So that one is, uh is cranking along. There's uh there's more info here since last we talked, my God, do we have to go over this again? The WBA says <laughs> Leo Santa Cruz and Lee Wood. You're fighting again for the uh, WBA featherweight championship. It's like fill, Hawk, us in, fill, fill us in real quick. Cause I'm, my right. eyes glaze over at this point. I don't want Phyllis to belabor sense. this. The bottom yeah. line is Leo Santa
0: Cruz is their their super champion and Lee Wood is the regular champion. And in August of 2021, the WBA started making order. They got rid of all the interim titles on the same day. And they promised that their new policy was we will order the regular and the super champions to fight each other to get down to one champion per weight class. And they've done a fairly good job of doing so. They've gotten rid of a lot of them at this point. So I've had many conversations with Gilberto Mendoza, the president of the WBA, over the past year and a half about this. When it came to this particular fight, for whatever reason, it, it's been a real issue. So they ordered the fight. Uh, the, I don't even want to get into every detail. Let's just make it right. a, a long story short. The fight, they, they, had, they had, the WBA had begrudgingly agreed to allow the two fighters to have optionals. Leo was going to fight against Ray Vargas in a unification fight, and Wood was going to defend against Mauricio Lara. But when Mauricio, uh, Mauricio Lara-Wood fight got canceled because Lee Wood suffered a biceps injury. So that plan was out the window. So Vargas is now moving up to 130 pounds and not fighting Santa Cruz and the wood fight against, against, uh, against, uh, uh Lara was not rescheduled. So he was going to be out for between four and six weeks because of the injury. So they put a, they stopped the clock. Basically they had finally, after, and the WBA was kind of pissed off because the way they found out about Lee Woods injury in the first place was for media reports. So that's never a good sign. They requested the media, uh, they requested the medical report on his arm. They were told, you know, between uh, four and six weeks he should lay off. They gave him the time to get that healed up. The six weeks is now expired. And so what they did was they sent out a letter uh, the other day, basically restarting the clock, saying, okay, guys, the six-week period is going to expire on December 1st. They have their convention that's taking place this year in Orlando. It comes up uh, in the middle of December. And so you have 15 days to make a deal. If you don't make a deal, we're going to a purse bid. purse bid is going to be... Uh, you know, during our convention. And that's going to be the end of the story. Of the, as long as the WBA, again, if they keep their word, they'll either be a purse bit and they'll put the fight on or they'll either make a deal or they won't make a deal. The purse bit will take place and they'll schedule the fight and do all the requisite paperwork and get the contracts in by a certain timeframe. And this is key. What Gilberto told me in a, in, a, in a back and forth we had on a text message chain just yesterday when this first was announced, if they don't do the fight, That if the perspid uh, is not fulfilled or if they make a deal and the fight does not happen, then both of the champions, the regular and the super will be stripped. Wow. And they will order number one versus number two in their ratings to fight for the vacant title. Because, quite frankly, I think the WBA is sick and tired of the WBA's featherweight division being completely inactive. Uh, I mean, Leo Santa Cruz has not defended the title in over three years. He hasn't fought since February of this year, and that was in a non-title fight up at 130 pounds. Lee Wood hasn't fought since February when he had that spectacular uh, fight and great knockout against Michael Conlon. Uh, not his fault. He has had an injury, but still, at some point, it's like shit or get off the pot, guys.
1: Yep. And let's hope that they do that. Um, and by the way, it's a
0: good fight. That's the whole thing that tries. But me crazy for the love of we, God, for Leo all Santa the... Cruz against Lee Wood, you Wood's used a
1: machinations. Fight. That's great. And for all of the back and forth, the machinations, the it's it's on, it's off. Let's get the fight going. Tell me, like you say, tell me when it's signed and when it's announced, and let's get the fight going. Because the other stuff, because as you just alluded to, Santa Cruz may decide, okay, I'll vacate. I just don't want to fight him. And I'll fight fine. somebody else, uh, whatever. Vacate. So that may be coming.
0: If he vacates, then Lee Wood will be the champion in the weight no. class for the WBA, fine.
1: All right. I mean, my, just... my
0: interest personally is I don't really give a shit. I want there to be one title holder in the weight class and mm-hmm. it happens to become a byproduct of the fact that Leo Santa Cruz and Lee would fight each other that's outstanding because that's a very good fight in my opinion but if it doesn't happen and either a one guy vacates and when the other guy stays as the champion or they both get stripped and they order a new fight so be it that's life
1: all right uh, by the way we get a lot of british fans that read the site that uh, listen to uh, the Big Fight Weekend Preview and the and the Fight Freaks Unite podcast. So we got some news out of England on Thanksgiving in the United States. The Brits aren't so big on Thanksgiving, by the way, uh, in England. Uh, Chris Eubank Jr., new opponent. Remember, on the eve of the fight with Conor Ben, Conor Ben, it was learned, had tested positive for PEDs. They were trying to gloss it over, still have the fight, appeal. It didn't happen. All right, so Eubank Jr. needs an opponent. That's now been determined. That's now been announced. Fill us in, Dan, before we get to some fight previews.
0: Yeah, like like you said, they're not big on Thanksgiving, so they've got no problem announcing fights on Thanksgiving. Uh, and what they did was on Thursday afternoon, they announced that, in fact, it will be Chris Eubank Jr. in need of an opponent post the uh, debacle with uh, Conor Ben, will, in fact, fight his British countryman, Liam Smith, a former title holder in the 154-pound division. The fight is scheduled for January 21st at the uh, AO Arena in Manchester. It will be on Sky box office in the UK. I saw a lot of people on social media when the fight was announced basically saying what I was sort of thinking was, oh, that's a pretty good fight. But now that's sort of stretching it as a uh, box office fight, meaning a pay-per-view. Uh, nonetheless, that's the fight that's happening. Uh, no American outlet at this moment in time. I would imagine that there's an excellent chance uh, that it will be picked up by ESPN Plus, which has uh, a strong relationship with Sky Sports, works with Boxer. Uh, which is the promoter for Liam Smith on, on the events that they've done in the UK, um, and if it doesn't wind up on ESPN Plus, it wouldn't shock me if that wound up as a as a as a pretty cheap pay per view on fight like they're doing with the boxer card that takes place uh, this Sunday uh, with the great prospect Adam Azim. Um, but I suspect American fans will be able to see that in some form or fashion. But uh, look, it's a, it's a pretty good fight. I mean, if you can't get the Conor Ben fight done, and we know why because of the PED situation, Liam Smith's been on a pretty good run. Eubank is in need of a name opponent. And if you're, if you, especially in Britain, it's it's two of the better known fighters uh, of the last several years. William Smith will obviously be moving up a few pounds uh, to the middleweight division to do the match. And uh, it should be a good fight.
1: All right. Uh, again, J- uh, January 23rd is the date that I'm seeing. 20, 21st. 21st, forgive me. I'm like dyslexic at the moment from all the uh, tryptophan and the carbs and the pecan pie. My mother-in-law makes yeah. a mean pecan pie. I got to get you a piece of pecan pie uh, when you feel better. Uh, so, anyway, that at the AO Arena, and the AO, help me, on all the initials, that's the Wembley Arena, right? Where they, no, 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 no. Which one is that?
0: Is Wembley Arena is in London. Correct. AO Arena is
1: in Manchester. The Manchester Arena. It's a sponsor. Name. For many years, it was just simply called isn't, Manchester it, Arena. <laughs> I'm punchy right now. Isn't the Wembley Arena like an OV or something, too? It's the <laughs>
0: Now, their sponsor name is the OVO Wembley.
1: <laughs> okay. I was close. I mean, but the, the Manchester
0: Arena is like yep. akin to – a Madison Square Garden, Mm -hmm. a Staples Center. It's like a major, like a 20,000-seat type arena in Manchester, whereas the OVO is a little bit less capacity. It's the arena that is basically across the, the plaza, across the street, if you will, from the big soccer national stadium, the Wembley Stadium, where they had Klitschko versus Joshua and where Joshua has fought several fights, where Tyson Fury fought his most recent fight. So different stadiums, different arenas, different cities, you're punchy.
1: I understand. Uh but that one is coming in June. And you wanted to say something too and I promise we're getting to fight previews. Coming in June? Coming I'm sorry, in, June? in January. Thank <laughs> you. Uh we're uh we're getting to the fight previews including Progray and Zapata which I promise is Saturday by the way. Uh all things being equal. Uh, as far as we know it's Saturday uh gervonta davis speaking of january that card is being uh filled in the undercard being filled in you got one more thing on that since we last talked with you here on this Correct. thanksgiving holiday week what else we got
0: so that fight on january 7th at the cap one arena in washington dc january 7th showtime pay-per-view one of the fights on that undercard on the pay-per-view will be a fight involving the welterweight contender the excellent welterweight contender undefeated Jeron boots Ennis from philadelphia no opponent just yet there. They got a few names that they're tossing about. Uh It'll probably be some type of elimination fight, Uh, but it's exciting to see that Ennis will be on that show. He only had, fortunately, only had a chance to have one fight in 2022, which is almost kind of bordering on, on scandalous that a fighter of that talent with that level of, of, of potential would only have one bout in the calendar year, obviously things that were out of his control, but uh, you know, he's one of the brightest younger fighters in the sport at 25 years old has a wealth of potential to be do great things, a champion, a pound for pound
1: type of talent. Uh, It's time for him to get going. I have been saying for a while, would you agree? He is arguably the most dangerous guy out there that does not have a belt in the welterweight division for either Crawford spins or whomever when everybody's more so than Keith Thurman, I'm sorry, or standing oh, on right yeah. I think boots in us. Yes. hundred
0: percent. I mean, I mean, I would, I would definitely say Boots Ennis is more dangerous than Thurman in that respect. I would, I would say Virgil Ortiz is more dangerous at this stage than than mm. Keith Thurman. I mean, they're the two best young fighters in the weight class in terms of guys who have uh, achieved their their recognition, not just based on potential and amateur background, but they actually have some solid victories as professionals. Both of them have defeated some some uh, known known opponents in in, in case. It's not just that he's winning, but he's doing it in such devastating fashion. And, you know, Virgil is not, you know, he's 19-0 and with all of his wins coming by knockout. Boots is 29-0 and with 27 knockouts. I mean, this these two younger fighters are the future of the welterweight division. Uh, Ennis is, is is not with PBC per se, but he has some kind of deal with Showtime. And his fights have all been on Showtime in, in recent years. And, uh, you know, he's in a great position. And I just think it's, it's excellent that he's going to be on this card. It gives uh, another exciting name. Uh, on, a, on this gervonta davis undercard and uh from a from a selfish point of view i'm very excited because like i told the people before i live awfully close to that arena i live in that in the washington dc area so i will be uh in attendance on that night so i'm excited about that show. you were
1: saying that to us earlier when that was all being announced and being lined up for january not june january uh on that one okay good stuff stand by you've done well time to get some previews rolling by the way i need to make mention uh, before we get into those previews, that we are brought to you in part by our friends at BetUS. You see Dan and me doing the BetUS uh, Friday boxing show live at 1 Eastern Time. BetUS has got an offer through our podcast, uh, through Dan's Substack, as well as the Big Fight Weekend website for you, yes, you, to get a 125% match bonus if you've got an initial sign up with BetUS. They're going to match you up to 125% uh, on whatever you initially deposit. Put 100 in, you get 125 to gamble uh, gamble with. Put 200 in, you're going to get 250 to gamble with and so on up to $2500. Use our promo code BFW22. Clever, isn't it for big fight weekend and the year? BFW 22 sign up, gamble on the pro gray title fight this weekend, the Dillian white fight that we're going to be talking about the heavyweight bout with Jermaine Franklin gamble on the college football all weekend, the NFL, whatever you like college basketball, just do it with our friends at bet us and take advantage of a 125% match bonus. Our promo code BFW 22 Enter it in. It helps us out. It'll help. If you want to help us, not everybody wants to help us right feel but if they want to help us enter that promo code in and you've got an opportunity to get a 125 percent match bonus on your initial sign up up to $2,500 whatever you put in they're going to match it uh, with 125 for bet us promo code bfw22 more on the way with dan fight preview straight ahead as we continue stay with us We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Back in once more as we preview the weekend of the Big Fight Weekend preview. We will come off the weekend with a Fight Freaks Unite recap. I'm joined again by Dan Rayfield. Uh, who, again, is a little under the weather, but hanging in there, doing well. Uh, And I'm looking forward to this weekend of fights. I know you are as well. Reminder, again, I say it to the audience, if you want to hear from Regis Progray in full, that conversation with Dan is standalone right behind us on this podcast feed, on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed, with uh, Dan getting a one-on-one opportunity to talk with him. I know the fighters have been meeting with the media, getting ready for this bout on Saturday night WBC 140 pound championship. Dan, let's get into the preview. Let's give me give me a thought or two on what's going to happen. Very intriguing fight, as Progray told you. We wrote about it on Big Fight Weekend. He's been waiting three years, three, for another title shot. He's got it now against a competitive guy in Zapata. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, going
0: into this match, they are both two of the best fighters in the weight class. Top five-ish, let's say. Uh Regis Progray is 27 and one. 23 knockouts his only loss which is why it's so surprising that it's taken him this long to get another title shot was a extremely close decision a majority decision a lot of people thought it could have gone the other way when he fought josh taylor to unify the wba and the ibf titles in the final of the world boxing super series that was in october of 2019 so it's almost exactly three years ago um it was a terrific fight he's won three fights in a row since against sort of lesser type opponents but by knockouts not against like total Drex or anything like that, but just not against the A-level fighters, not for lack of desire. Uh, but now he's got the opportunities wanted. wanted. Uh, he's very excited for it. People can certainly hear that the way he speaks when uh, if they listen to that interview that I had with him that you mentioned. Zepeda, 35-2 and two with 27 knockouts, looking for his first world title. He's a few years older, a little bit more worn. Uh, he's had two other title shots that did not go his way. He lost a lightweight title fight years ago against Terry Flanagan in the U.K., in a freak injury where his he got a dislocated shoulder mm. that was the result of why it was called a TKO, because he could not continue. He had an opportunity in 2019 uh, to fight Jose Ramirez, for the who was then the WBC uh, champion at 140. And he lost a super close decision, a majority decision also. A lot of people thought he won. So you got two guys, Progre, who a lot of folks thought beat Taylor, uh, uh, Zapata, who a lot of folks uh, got enough in the in the bank to beat Ramirez. Now, both of them lost majority decisions. Now they're going at it for this vacant title. The other thing, of course, about Zapata, he's fought a lot of good fighters. I mean, he's fought Pedraza. You know, he had a tremendous battle with Ivan Baranchik, who's a former IBF champion, who was also in that tournament that I mentioned that uh, Progress and Taylor was in. Uh, that was the 2020 fight of the year. Just an absolutely crazy action-packed shootout for five rounds combined. Check this out eight knockdowns mm-hmm. in five rounds they were there was knockdowns in every round both guys were down multiple times i think four times a piece just a wild wild shootout that that uh that zapata did win you know he's even won a couple of fights since then he went into new york in october of last year so he's also coming off of a longer layoff he hasn't now fought uh, uh zapata we his first fight in in 13 months but his last fight was a he went to uh josue vargas's home turf at the at the theater at madison square garden those two guys they you know especially Vargas, talked a lot of shit going into that fight and zapata calm and cool like an assassin man went in there and just absolutely obliterated him in the first Mm. round big big win for him uh look these guys are serious fighters i mean they're good quality contenders and i expect a good fight
1: uh bet us line again we'll have the us show friday one eastern time Bet US line has Progray favored. We're not going to make predictions here. Minus 400. Interesting. Zapeta 3-1 to one underdog, plus 300. We don't have an over-under on rounds. I would guess, just because we've been doing this long enough, it's probably going to be at least like 7.5, maybe more rounds on that. Does it surprise you they've got Progray as a 4-1 to one favorite in this matchup? Just real quick.
0: That doesn't surprise me. I mean, Progray is probably the, the – I can't say he's got the better resume, but he's probably the better known guy. Um, he's had a little bit of the higher profile. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. And he, and frankly, I mean, again, nothing against Zapata, but going into this fight, I think pre pro is perceived by most people as the better of the two. So it does not serve. maybe four to one, maybe a little bit wide in my mind, but, uh, not, not a shocker. I mean, maybe they think about the uh, branching fight that I mentioned, because even though it was Zapata one, he was also on the deck several times in that fight. So it's not like he's got the greatest chin in the world. Um, but I expect it to be a good, good, solid fight. You know, how how competitive it is, how action-packed, we'll see on Saturday. But, uh, you know, of the fights that were left in this year, I said this a couple of weeks ago, there was only a few that I was very much looking forward to. It was kind of a week fourth quarter. But I've had Zepeda and progress ever since it was announced as one of the ones circled on my list of ones that I would definitely make it a point to. The kind of fight where you're like, you know what? I'm definitely watching it live. I'm not going to watch it on delay. I'm not going to come in late. I'm not going to. You know, be out doing something else. I'm going to make sure that I'm in front of my device
1: or screen or whatever. There you go. When that main event is getting going, because it's a good matchup. And real quick on the undercard before we move on to the other action that's going to be going on in England and get out of here on the big fight weekend preview. Uh, I know there's a women's world title fight. Evelyn Bermudez is defending her women's junior flyweight championship. Uh, The big um, help me with the nationality. Is he a Belarusian Yalilov? What is he? Uh, Akhundir
0: Jalalov is from
1: Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan. Olympian. He's the 2020
0: super heavyweight gold medalist. So obviously, the late Tokyo Olympics. Massive. He's a big, strong, powerful southpaw, big puncher, uh, tremendous potential. You know, looks up to, idolizes of Vladimir Klitschko. The guy's done nothing, uh, but but not guys out as a, as a professional. Eleven zero with eleven knockouts, mostly early knockouts. He was pushed into the eighth round. In his last fight that took place in June, uh, and but it was a spectacular knockout. And he's fighting, uh, you know, Curtis Harper, not the greatest opponent in the world, 14-8 and eight journeyman type guy. Unfortunately for Curtis Harper, he is probably best known uh, for having a disqualification <laughs> loss in the first round against F.A. Jagba back in 2018, where they went to the center of the ring, they touched gloves, and they went back to their corner. And when the bell rang, uh, Curtis Harper walked out of the ring and left the fight. Uh, he was upset about the purse situation. He got disqualified, kind of a mess. Ajagba kind of got a reputation off of that, like the perception that he had scared him away uh, when it was really actually not so much he was scared. It was really about the purse situation. And I can still remember I was actually, when that fight took place, it was in August of 2018. I was in a hotel in Tucson, Arizona, about to cover the next day a top-ranked fight. And I was sitting in the lobby of the hotel with a bunch of the other boxing folks and some of the right. top-ranked people. And we were kind of you know they had it up on the TV. Uh, it was a Fox Sports Net show or whatever, a PBC card, and it was on. And we were all watching. And like when it happened, you never saw like a dozen boxing people all like, kind of looking at each other, like, "What the <laughs> hell just
1: happened?" Like, uh, it was very confusing. Hey, we wrote about it. The memes been everywhere on the internet of Harper walking out of the ring, and then they put they brought the arena lights back up because it was so unplanned that he right. walked back down the stage, the PBC stage, and backstage to leave to cut his gloves the one, off. The and one leave. thing about
0: Harper, it's crazy. In this particular case, it, look, we all know what's going to happen. is going to probably beat the shit out of him. Okay, let's just let's just call it what it is. Okay, mm-hmm. I can't sit here and, and lie to the peeps that this is some kind of fantastic matchup. To me, it's not about the matchup. To me, it's about the opportunity to see Jalov, who's a future potential heavyweight champion, on the way up. That's what it's about. If, if Harper's got anything at all going for him, he has shown in his eight losses a halfway decent chin. He doesn't get knocked out too much. He's only been stopped three times. His last few losses... Have uh, Other than the DQ, the two losses after that were all by by six-round and eight-round decision. He has a win since then back in July of this year, so he's not coming off a long laugh. Jalalov is now in his first scheduled 10-rounder. I don't suspect he's going to need all 10 rounds. Um, And again, I go into matches with a dose of reality. I don't expect this to be some kind of great fight. I expect it to be a chance for me to see a guy that has a chance to become a future heavyweights champion in Jalalov.
1: All right, we'll see what he does. Charles Conwell on the undercard. Fernando Vargas Jr. on the undercard. Check it all out. Marv Nation pay-per-view. Fight TV. Oh, good time for us to promote. It's also on PPV.com. They're sponsoring the podcast. They're sponsoring us on Big Fight Weekend. We want you to go to PPV.com. No subscription required. You don't have to have a yearly sign-up. You can just buy it right through your system, right through PPV.com, and watch the fight through your smart TV, your laptop, your iPad, whatever. Uh, They've got great interactive stuff with the live chat. Uh, It's available in English and in Espanol, either one. PPV.com for the ProGrey Zapata main event pay-per-view and a pretty good fight card, we might say, uh, here. Again, sign up with them. Uh, utilize that opportunity where you don't have to have a subscription. don't have to buy a six month or annual subscription to be able to watch the fight, a one-off opportunity to watch it through our friends at PPV.com. A lot of interactive stuff that they always have. The fan chat is always cool. That's going on that they have on their, on their dashboard, on their player. Check it out. I've had that experience myself. Uh, I got the chance to see the Deontay Wilder one round KO of Robert Hellenius through PPV.com and the interaction of the fights Uh, The fans were going berserk, obviously, when Wilder got the first round KO. It's cool stuff. It's PPV.com, and they sponsor us here as part of the Big Fight Weekend preview. Final few moments, because I know you're playing hurt. Uh, Dillian White, back in the ring, first time since the KO loss to Tyson Fury. You know where I stand that uh, I think at this point he's just a guy. He's just a contender. All right, so he's fighting Jermaine Franklin in a main event situation uh, for him. Give me a thought or two on this with White back in the ring, of uh, a guy that has had opportunities against Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, previously in his career.
0: I mean, look, Delly White's been one of the better heavyweights for the last several years. He always makes a pretty good fight. He comes to fight. It didn't go his way, obviously, against Fury, who he got knocked out by in April uh, in the sixth round. But before that, you know, he had had a spectacular performance against Povetkin in the rematch to avenge his knockout loss in a fight where he won – in dominating fashion up until the moment where he got clipped by the punch. Uh, you know, but he's got a good resume and he's looking to keep things going. I mean, there's no shame in losing to uh, Tyson Fury. So it's a chance for him to get back in business with a win over an undefeated fighter and Jermaine Franklin, an American who's sort of kind of hit a wall, I guess. There was a long period of time where people viewed him as maybe the best of the American up and comers. He had some inactivity. Then he had some fights where when he did fight, he didn't maybe look so great, where he just sort of was, he won, but they were not impressive performances. So now it's a chance for him to go and fight a, a pretty good name in the division and score what would be a career victory. And so, you know, it's the epitome of a crossroads fight. White needs to, to continue on at a high level. If you lose two in a row, especially at heavyweight, you know, you take a big step back. For Franklin, it's a chance to put a big name on his resume. And we would be 22-0 and 0 and, you know, put himself in great position in the division. And uh, it, it's that's exactly what this is. It's a crossroads. Now you talk about how Dylan is just a guy these days. He's still a very popular fighter in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. You know, he's been one of the better, more fan friendly fighters for a long time. So, you know, for for the audience there, it's Sky Sports. Here it's on the zone. Or I take that back. My bad. It's the zone in both countries. Right. This matchroom is now all on the zone. So, yes, the zone worldwide. And it'll be, uh, you know, heavyweight action.
1: Rest the voice. Get a little water there. Again, Dan's playing Hurt. Uh, here on the big fight weekend preview again white and franklin somewhere we don't know give or take 5 p.m 6 p.m something like that on to zone saturday afternoon in the u.s interesting there is another english fight card and this is zach parker fighting against a uh, john Ryder for the interim wbo 168 pound title it's held by canelo alvarez uh, that's a scheduled 12 rounder so this is this is interesting they're both in London they're on separate networks at around the same time for that fight card ESPN will show it in the U.S Parker was trying to have this bout with Demetrius Andrade the American former WBO middleweight Champion but Andre has had injury problems and then Andre and Parker couldn't they couldn't get this done so now John Ryder well,
0: Andre Andre yeah, fill him in twice. the blanks now <clears throat> Andre walked out on him twice <clears throat> and now this is the fight instead of that
1: all right, so good enough, and I know you're short and, on voice. And by the well.
0: way, <clears throat> for the American fans, this mm-hmm. fight will be on ESPN+. Plus. And for Ryder, it's a good opportunity. You know, he's coming off of a kind of a questionable win. I, I thought that Daniel Jacobs beat him when they fought back in February. John Ryder got the win over in, uh, in the U.K., so good congratulations to him. He's won three fights in a row, has a loss since it was a decision against Callum Smith in 2019. Parker is undefeated, but he's not really fought anybody. He's 22 and 0, but his resume is awfully thin. So, this is the best guy he's ever fought, by my estimation. Uh, you know, he's fought just a bunch of nobodies, but doesn't mean he's not any good. It's a chance to see, again, it's similar, let's say, to what goes on in certain fights. Can he take the next step? If yep. you lose to John Ryder, you know, it's a problem. If you can beat a John Ryder, that means you've got a chance maybe to do something. And if right. John Ryder can win this fight, it'll be a second good win in a row between a rider over over uh parker plus the the recent victory against jacobs now you're back in business you know eddie hearn has talked about this for quite a while canelo alvarez should he when he comes back to fight not not in his next fight probably but at some point canelo has spoken about the desire to fight in the uk to take his game over there and he would probably do a big crowd and draw a big you know uh, big audience and, and uh, be a popular sort of thing. Like he wanted to fight in New York city. So we did a fight in New York. He fought Rocky fielding, but, but Eddie has said time and again, that the ideal candidate for him to fight, if he w- would come to the UK would be against a John Ryder. And if he has the interim title, that would make it even more doable, let's say based on the sanctioning bodies. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting fight. Look, this is not the biggest ever fight weekend, but I'm going to tell you the main events that we've got going on Progre against Zepeda. I'm totally geeked up for, uh, I always like watching Dillian white fight. I want to see what he's got left after the fury fight. I want to see if, if, uh, if Franklin can take the next step and in the, in the rider and, and Parker fight, that should be a pretty good fight too. So I'm,
1: I'm down for all three main events over the weekend. The BetUS line, by the way, on Parker and Ryder has Zach Parker favored minus 250, Ryder plus 200. Dillian White minus 1,400 against Franklin. Again, they're trying to get you to wager on the BetUS line for what it's worth. Um, And uh, Franklin plus 700 there. We'll discuss those more on the Friday show. I think we've done well. Uh, yeah. for this edition of the podcast. You're low on voice. It's Thanksgiving night. I want you to rest up, be ready to go as we release the podcast for the weekend to watch all this. They can read you, obviously, not only on, on uh, our site, bigfightweekend.com, but your Substack, stack, Fight Freaks Unite. They can read you there as well. Uh, by the way, you also wanted to mention the Gotti Ward second epic fight, the 20th anniversary. Is it today, yes. today it that was, we're doing this podcast or soon? It was yesterday
0: on Wednesday yesterday. as we taped this on Thursday. I mean, look, there. The, that's one of the great trilogies in boxing history, and it's sort sure. of funny, TJ, because in boxing trilogies, not not every one of them, but usually in a trilogy, there's one of the three that's maybe not the best of them. Like, it's not the like Ali Frazier, nobody really remembers or talks about Ali Frazier, too. Right? There are exceptions. I mean, Bo Holyfield, one, two, and three are all three that mm-hmm. were awesome. Uh, the first three fights of uh, Vasquez and Marquez were awesome, the fourth fight we sort of disavow. Um, so there are there are examples but oftentimes in trilogy situations there's a one of them that's not the best and in terms of the gaddy war trilogy the first fight was the fight of the year the third fight was the fight of the year the second fight you know they fought those three battles within the context of 13 months the second fight is the one that was still a very good fight but compared to one and three a big step (laughs) down it was it was more of the boxing match of the three even though it was exciting if you weren't comparing it against the first fight and then later against the third fight you would say that was a pretty damn good fight but when you compare it against the first fight sure. and then you know that the third fight happened, it's not on the same level. That was the fight where Gaddy utilized the boxing skills that he had, but oftentimes dispensed with. And he did box against Ward. He dropped them in in the fight. He won a very uh, wide decision, and but it set the stage because he had lost fight number one. So now after he wins the second fight by boxing, Mickey Ward, now it's one and one. Then they go and do the rubber match. So... Maybe it wasn't the most memorable of their three. I was there in Atlantic City. I remembered, even though it wasn't the greatest fight, people were so excited because of what happened in the first fight that the crowd was just insane. The electricity at Boardwalk Hall when these guys came into the ring. Not only were people excited for what was about to happen on that night, but the the wild atmosphere and the cheering, the, the massively loud cheering, was in appreciation to tell these guys how much they liked what they had done in the first fight. And so, uh, you know, I have a great memory of uh, of that fight, having been there for for the second and the third fight. Uh,
1: and uh, I, I just can't get over the fact that it's been 20 years. Where would the time go? I know we're getting on. We're getting on with the age. We've done well here with the podcast. Uh, so we cover it all. And by the way, Mike Tyson, we don't have to go on and on. Mike Tyson's first world title win over Trevor Burbick, my God, 36 years ago november 22nd 1986 i still remember that vividly a teenage tj a teenage dan Raphael, watching a teenage yeah. mike tyson well, what do you just <laughs> turned somebody... 20 i think you just turned 20 right yeah uh, just turned 20 i had somebody just... ask
0: me because i posted you you had the 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 story the retrospective that was on the big fight yep. weekend website i as i often do uh with these types of anniversary fights i post memorabilia from my collection mm-hmm. so on the on the uh on the anniversary of the, of the fight between uh, Mike Tyson and Trevor Burbick, I posted uh, the posters. I have two different posters from that fight. I have the program from that fight. So I posted that uh, pictures of that on Twitter. I use those materials in the uh, show and tell section that people seem to enjoy in my notebooks. So I had somebody on uh, uh, Twitter ask me if I if I covered the fight, and I was like, "Dude, come on, man! I'm old, but I ain't I ain't that old. I was I was 16 years old. I, I was in, I remember and watching the fight when it happened. Oh, uh, but uh, I'm not I'm not I don't go that far back. Hey,
1: uh, we belt. love Barry Tompkins, who's now 81 years of age, by the way. And Barry was One of the right best. on it. He was right on it with his call. We have a new era in boxing. He had been waiting to use that line, and he was right. Uh, because the Tyson era lasted about a four-year run of him being as dominant and menacing as any heavyweight champion and, ever. Listen, the Burbick, fight, got hold him.
0: the Burbick fight is important historically for another reason. Yes, it made Mike Tyson the youngest champion, but what it does is Burbick may not be the most known fighter of all time. Maybe he was not the greatest heavyweight champion of all time, but what he does is he is the bridge between Ali and Tyson who are the biggest heavyweights of their eras because – He beat Ali in Ali's last fight and then lost to Tyson in the title fight. So he provides uh, somewhat of a bridge in the history of the sport. And, you know, I don't want to make too much of it, but I I think it's important. I remember when Trevor was killed several years ago, writing his obituary, uh, you had to make that point that here was this guy that was not the most known heavyweight, but he, he occupied a very significant position within the heavyweight division's history. The last opponent for Muhammad Ali, and he won that fight, obviously Ali was very old and and way past his best days when they met in what was called the Drama in the Bahama. Not a lot of drama in that fight. And then he wound up later on winning the WBC title and was matched with Tyson in the HBO tournament and got his clock cleaned. And uh, who can forget the sight of him falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up, falling down. Getting as up as I was just going
1: to get there, as, as somebody said uh, very poignantly or wrote it as well, it's the only heavyweight title fight where a guy got knocked down three times from the same punch in a famous situation like that. Because Burbick went down initially from the left, kind of right, right on the right side of his forehead and his temple, tried to get up, stumbled and fell over, and then tried to get up a second time with Mills Lane counting or get up for the third time. And stumbled and fell over again. And Mills Lane said, that's it. And we had a new era in boxing with Mike Tyson. Very good. You made it to the finish line. Uh, rest up a little bit as we're doing this and releasing this. Dan will be live at 1 uh, with me on the BetUS Boxing Show on Friday. Again, Progray Zapeda <clears throat> headlines as the top bout in the U.S. for the WBC 140-pound title Saturday night. Marv Nation Promotions, Fight TV PPV.com, however you're going to get a hold of it. We've been previewing it here, though, my friend. Have a great weekend. We'll come to you off the uh, weekend with the Fight Freaks Unite recap whenever we get that done and get that out early next week. Uh, Feel better, Dan Rayfield. Thank you. We appreciate it Happy Thanksgiving.
0: Happy Thanksgiving to you and all of our uh,
1: our listeners. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, And again, however you found us, make sure you're following or subscribing to the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. For now, we're good. Enjoy the fights this weekend. For Dan Rayfield, I'm TJ Reeves. Bye.